Welcome to episode 57, Fish Across the Pond, the Marlins UK podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt, and joining me for his Fish Across the Pond debut, we have John Fernley. John, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. Glad to be here. Well, great to have you. Great to have you along. First appearance on the pods. It's long overdue. Quick fire intro for you know the listeners working out um, who you are, I guess. But how long have you been a Marlins fan? And also, favorite current player, just to get the juices flowing. Uh, I've been a Marlins fan since uh, 1997. Great year to uh, to start following them. Just because Channel Five was showing baseball games and. My dad and I were already huge Dolphins fans. What's mm-hmm. that dirt doing on our on on the mile, on the uh, Dolphins stadium? Oh, there must be a baseball team. We'll probably follow them, and uh, it worked out quite well for us. Um, favorite current player, Pablo Lopez. Love the guy. I think he's uh, I think he's going to be a star. Well, I think he's already uh, not far off, but he's uh, I think he's going to be a mainstay for years to come. Excellent. Well, let's let's end the podcast there. Thanks for listening, guys. That's episode 57 in the books. <laughs> um, good, John. Listen, great to have you along. And what we also now have joining us um, to preview the, the Marlins-Mets series that, that is just about to start this evening, uh, we've got two Mets fans. Yes, there are two Mets fans. Only kidding. There's loads. There's loads of Mets fans. Um, firstly, Thomas Frost. Uh, Thomas, how are we? Yeah, not too bad, Peter. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. You didn't sound certain on that in terms of if you're feeling okay, but we'll get into maybe why soon. But Yeah, I think you can guess why. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, good to have you along, and thanks for jumping on this at what was the last minute, give or take, so appreciate that. Um, and of course, we could not do a Marlins Mets preview without the Queen the Queen, Tracy Wilkes, star of UK Mets Online, Mets Across the Pod podcast, co-host of PTBNL and contributor to In Play Runs. Wow, what a resume. Tracy, how are we? I'm good, thanks, my love. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. I'm great. <laughs> um, I can't believe this is your debut as well, Trace. I mean, I know. it's happened before, so... Anyway, it's, well, you've just not invited me, so well, that not yeah. True. <laughs> that is that is not true. So, guys, we are here in advance of a four-game series between our our ball clubs, respectively, and we've already had a three-game set. So, we've got a little bit of you know something to work with, um, but we're going into a four-game series. So, really, what I'm what I think we should do is what I want to do is hear a little bit about the Mets, specifically from you guys. So. We'll kind of turn back the clocks months, months and months ago to the off season and what the, what the Mets were getting up to in the off season because I find it hard to keep up with. I mean, with all the activity the Marlins have been doing, it's been very hard <laughs> to keep up with that. So I have no idea what the Mets did in the off season. So Thomas, come to you first on that one if you can, buddy. Just summarize briefly. You know, what did the Mets do? What were the major moves? Who was in? Who was out? Where were you kind of, you know, where was the roster looking, you know, going into what was spring training? Well, I guess it was, the big news was obviously losing Syndergaard. Um, I mean, it's so long ago, I can't remember when that um, that happened, actually. I mean, I can't remember how close spring back. training that was. But it was, um, I think it was, a, yeah, I think it was last winter or something. Uh, but 
um, as happens. And obviously, not going to lose him for too much because hopefully we should have him for maybe not spring training next year, but you know, um, starting next season maybe. But yeah, I, 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 I mean, for me anyway, I, I mean, I'm usually have something to moan about with the Mets for the the, the off season. <laughs> but I thought generally thought we were okay. I thought the general moves we made were were pretty decent. Um, I've always been a Michael Walker fan ever since he. Um, came through with the Cardinals. Um, you know, Cardinals are a great franchise for bringing through pitchers. So, and I always thought there was a really good pitcher in there, and I was really surprised how downhill he went. So I was, I was pretty happy with that. Porcello, mm. meh. <laughs> you know, was not. Yeah. I was, a, I wasn't too sure um, with that one, and unfortunately, uh, I've been proven right on that one. Um, yeah. He's been very iffy. Um, yeah, it's. It, it's again. It's been it's been so long ago that it's actually hard to remember. Yeah, what happened? Um, it all, I don't remember us being that busy. Actually, I mean, it, it was you know overall. I mean, we made the odd move, but it was generally pretty quiet. Really, it was just about booking, um, sort of the bullpen up. You know, obviously, but I guess the most significant move we made was Dylan Patances. Um, you know, he's not the the reliever he was. You know, because I, I remember a few years ago the Yankees had that four headed monster coming out of the pen. Mm. Um, with their oldest Chapman, Zach Britton, um, and I think David Robertson, I think, who I think is now at the uh, somewhere in our division, the Phillies, I think. Phillies, yeah. Um, you know, mm. so, you know, potent one. So he's not as good as he was. It's There's signs there that he's, that he's good, but um, not certainly not what he used to be. But I think the bullpen's not been a total issue. Um, this is not as much as it was last season. It couldn't have exactly been worse. Um, you know, so I think in general we had a pretty decent off season. In really, I mean, um, it wasn't. A, I mean, compared to the one before where we decided to trade for a past it second baseman, um, you know, and traded away our best prospect that we've had in about two since David Wright. And a close so, uh, that can't close. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that now been after a season is already in the eighth inning now. You know. Yeah. And shafted yeah. out by a, a guy that started his career as a as a starter. Yeah. So yeah, you know, sounds okay though. I, I didn't you have know, too much complaints, really. Sounds it sounds okay. We, you know, there was nothing. I guess there wasn't a headline signing or anything of that ilk. But it sounds no. just slow and steady, which is okay. Um, Trace going um, into the, going into the sixty game sprint. You know. <laughs> Okay, so we got we got through the off season. Yeah. We got into spring. Yeah. Things were bubbling. Um, yeah. COVID came, shut down. You know, s- summer camp comes along. Then we got a sixty game sprint. Um, yeah. How how were you feeling in advance of that? You know, give me a scale, Give me on a one to ten scale of the optimism meter. How are you? Ooh, how are you feeling on on the general Mets roller coaster? I was probably about a seven and a half. That's okay. Um, I thought Pete. Alonso would be back and doing his thing and Jeff McNeil would be doing his thing and JD Davies. And then we were bringing up the youngsters, Andres Jimenez and Mm. Peterson, the pitcher. And it kind of didn't happen (laughs) or it's not happened so far. (laughs) Well, the, the funny thing is, you know, when we look at it, the Mets have only played, what have they played? 23 games? Is that right? Yeah, about a third of the season, yeah. 23, oh, you know, in this this season, uh, yeah, Yeah. it's a big chunk. But, you know, in normal, in the normal season, yeah, you know, 
Pete Alonso wouldn't have got going yet anyway. He'd have just been cruising in and just warming up. So you don't and have he time would to have had a long, longer spring training to get back yeah. into the swing of things. And I think he's just got a bit of the sophomore slumps. Well, it, he, he, he isn't the first. So, no. you know, it is what it is. He's a power hitter. And yes. the thing is with power hitters like that, in my experience, they all have holes in their, in their game and their swings. And mm. in year two, it's very clear where they are. And as, pitchers will as, be specifically targeting that. Yeah, especially after a first year like he had. Um, and I think at the moment he's overthinking things. He just needs to sort of step back, relax, and remember why he enjoys the game so much. Yeah. All right. So we'll come into a bit more of a deep dive in a sec. John, coming to you, buddy. Um, you have seen every pitch of Marlins baseball this year. You've readjusted the body clock. You're living in East Coast time, although you live in the UK, um, but you're on East Coast. Um, we've had three games against the Mets already. What was your take on the Mets in, during that, that series? I was more worried about them than I thought I was going to be when I just looked at the record and the games they'd already played. You know, we came into that series having um, just swept Baltimore over the course of, uh, of four and we were feeling pretty good about ourselves and looking at the Mets record thinking, oh, you know, this is another series we could win. But after the first game, well, after the, the three-run homer that um, Savelli hit in the first game, we didn't really look like we could, we could cope with them. We looked inferior bullpen-wise. Um, and we just, we just struggled. I'm not going into this next series with a, with a lot of optimism because I looked down the the Marlins line up and think, well, we've got our second, third, fourth, fifth choices in at some positions. And I look down the Mets line up and you just compare them thinking, yeah, I, no, I, I don't like, don't like the look of this. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it showed over those series. And when we couldn't get after the, the bullpen in game two, and then we didn't in game three, I'm wondering what's changed um, a couple of weeks down the line. Um, I think our offense will maybe do a little more off the match starters this series, but I'd take a two-two split right now. I, I absolutely. I we'll, we'll get into some predictions later on, but just just on that specifically, um, the Marlins would absolutely take a two-two split now. On you know, it means so that, with the Mets, the, the Mets probably would too. Let's just <laughs> we just shake hands now and just call it two-two and just have a couple of home run derbies or something instead. Yeah, why not? Spice it up. Bit of fun. Yeah. Um, Thomas, come to you, back to you anyway. Just let's get into this Mets rotation because you've already touched upon it earlier on. Noah's down. Um, you've also had so, who opt, someone's opted out as well. Have they? Did someone opt out? No. Strowman. Strowman. Strowman, yeah, of course. Strowman so was yeah. injured and then opted out. Um, so you've got you know, those two guys. Wheeler. Um, Went. went to the Phillies. So he's gone. You know, just we've got a we've got uh, Zelman on the 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 mound tonight as the starter. Is that does that indicate a bullpen game? But just on a more general perspective, um, just talk me through this rotation. It, it looks you know you, you've got issues. I think just based on a couple of names <laughs> that are missing. Yeah, I mean technically, I mean Gaselman has become a reliever, but he did start his major league career as a starter, so. I don't know. I don't think we've got a deep enough 
bullpen to really do a a, a bullpen game. Really, I mean, hopefully Selman will go. I think the, it'll be four, maybe five innings, and then yeah, take it over to the pen. Um, really. So, but yeah, I mean, it's so haphazard at the moment because obviously we've had so many injuries. Michael Walker's got injured for you know. You know, he's a Darren. I mean, to go back and to go into football, he's a Darren Anderson of baseball. He is with all his injuries. He's made of glass. He is. And um, um, yeah, I mean, that's frustrating because uh, he wasn't looking too bad. He wasn't looking spectacular, but he was looking, you know, serviceable. You know, and against the Marlins, he and he must yeah, have had yeah. eight nine strikeouts in, in in the game against the Marlins, Walker. So yeah, he, he looked good. good. Yeah, and also a young rookie, uh, David Peterson. Um, he's four starts, sub three ERA. Mm. He's looked um, pretty good so far because um, we not, haven't got a particularly deep um, uh, on the farm. We're not particularly deep on pitchers because we traded two of them away to Toronto for Stroman, which you know, which looked ridiculous at the time, and it looks still looks ridiculous now. Yeah, it's and, getting worse um, that trade by the minute, isn't it? That one, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just. I mean. It's just a compounding of problems. I mean, I mean, there were some people who were even saying, "Oh, should we bring Seth Lugo in from the pen to, you know, to shore up the rotation?" I was like, "I mean, that would be super Mets, isn't it? We've we stumbled upon, you know, a superb reliever out of nowhere. He was quietly one of the best relievers in baseball last year. Anyone outside of probably NL East didn't realize how good he was last year. Mm-hmm. And and yet, some people wanted to take him back to the rotation. I was like, "No, leave him where he is. He's fine." You know, I mean, it's. Um, it's just a bit of a nightmare, really, because it does seem like, as I said, I think haphazard is the word because obviously we don't know when. I think Jake is, he'll be playing, he might pitch this. I think he's going to pitch this series, but we don't know when because, you know, Selman's going tonight, Peterson's going tomorrow, but they haven't announced game three or game four yet. Um, it was so, scheduled for Wednesday, but not sure at the moment. Wednesday is it, um, yeah. So it's, just give us the rundown yeah, right. on, on DeGrom then, guys. Like, what's. You know, Trace, well, we actually watched um, we watched DeGrom's last start. Has he started yes. since that Marlins game? No, because he no. had a neck. He was scratched late from the last start because he had tightness in his neck. And he did have back issues a few weeks ago. Mm. Um, and he'd said he'd just slept funny. And it was just a bit of tightness in his okay. back. Um, but on his last start, he did have um, a bit of a blister forming because... I remember the back and forth between me and you about whether he's going to come back out for the third and the fourth. Yeah. And, um, but uh, I'm hoping it's, it's just a little bit of a niggle for Jake because yeah. he, when he's on form, he is bloody amazing. Um, two times Cy Young winner um, started off looking like he was going for his third um, and it just sort of remains to see how many starts he can get now for the rest of the season with it being such a shortened season as to whether he can achieve that or not. Doesn't sound good. I mean, you've got a, a back niggle, then you've got a neck niggle with a blister in between. I mean, you know, we talked about <laughs> Darren Anderson earlier. I mean, you know, could yeah. it be? Yeah. <laughs> it could be. I mean... He definitely wasn't on against the Marlins on that Sunday game. You know, it wasn't it wasn't vintage DeGrom anyway, in my opinion. He you know, walked a lot of guys and got yeah. out of But um, DeGrom's the kind of pitcher that can get himself into trouble, but then can pitch himself out of trouble as well. Yeah. 
Um, and he did yeah, that a few times in that game. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Thomas, I've got to ask you about this. Just now we're on the ground. We need to we need to talk about this. This could be a <laughs> a Mets. You know, it could be the moment of the Mets 2020 season. Who knows? Let's see how it plays out for you guys. But you've got DeGrom on the interview with what is effectively a, you know, a Mets background that then seemingly falls off the wall to then just display the fanatic behind him. And DeGrom turns around, sees it, looks in his face. I mean, an iconic Mets moment potentially, right? Yeah, I mean that just if anything just sums up the Mets. It's that. I mean, goodness me, it's it's uh it's up it's up there with um, finding a dildo in Kevin Plawecki's locker. Honestly, it was uh, it was just oh goodness me. I mean, I I went into the season wonder right, you know, half jokingly saying how are the Mets going to out Mets themselves, mm-hmm. and we managed to do in twenty three games, even by our standards, we've managed to put. You know, packing quite a lot <laughs> this season. So, and that, I mean, Jake's face just rather summed it all up, really. Yeah, what a what a moment. But Trace, I, and I, I, I need to ask this. We're into this moment here now of talking about mm-hmm. Mets moments. Yeah. Just give me a brief summary of this cesspitous situation that, <laughs> that occurred as well. And again, it here felt like another Mets special. <laughs> so... What happened, for those that have missed it, um, the Mets couldn't get hold of Cespedes in his hotel room. They tried ringing his cell phone, ringing his agents, um, uh, tried ringing his hotel room, couldn't get hold of him. They were coming over from the hotel to the ballpark in, in, in groups. So... One group must have thought he was with the other group and vice versa. And he somehow got missed. And um, there was a statement put out by Brody Van Wagnen that said, um, basically, Cess, where are you? <laughs> it feels like Home Alone all over again. You know, where's Kevin McAllister or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then from what I can gather, they managed to get access to his hotel room, saw he packed up and left. And then in about the seventh inning, his agent rang Brody and said, oh yeah, by the way, he's left um, Atlanta, I think it was. And uh, he's opting out for the rest of the season. Bye. (laughs) An absolute debacle. Yeah. I mean, I've got no issue with players opting out. It's a, it's a very much a personal decision, but the way that he did it left a really bad taste in my mouth. And there are ways and means of doing these things. I mean, I don't think for one minute that Strowman, the whole Strowman thing, I don't agree with either, but at least he had the balls to do a press conference with Brody Van Wagner and said, look, I'm opting out timing is a bit suspect on that one as well because he'd uh, just got enough service time to qualify for uh, free agency yeah but that's another story um but i've lost all respect for cespedes and i don't want him back as a met if that was an option well i i, I to be honest with you i just just on on stroman sorry i like yeah. the way he played that you know it was yeah. 
I haven't, I haven't, I didn't hear the press conference. I haven't, I haven't followed what he's been doing since. He was quite active in social media, from what I saw, like, yeah. you know, in the rehab phase and you know whatever. Yeah. But what it seems like is he's, you know, he he's got into a position where he's enough time on the IL to now qualify for free agency next year, and as then as soon as that has happened, he's gone. I'm out of here, and yeah. um, you know, carry on. Played it well. Yeah. I mean. Not many players have that type of power or are able to do that type of thing. It's normally the players that are on the shitty end of the stick, seemingly, with, with the way yeah. you know, they run organizations and franchises. But it felt like one for the players, that, which I thought was kind of neat and kind of, you know, went across baseball, not just a Mets thing. But mm. um, anyway, you know, let's. What, what do you think about on. the whole Cespedes thing, Pete? I'm interested. Cespedes, bloody hell. I mean, for me, when I'm. I was watching that happen like on Twitter and everything that was happening. And my initial reaction on that was there'd been a bust up the night before the day of the day of whatever, something had gone on. Cespedes had thrown his toys out the pram was what was my initial read of that. They put mm. this statement out that then made it seem like is Cespedes actually like, you know, alive, in, alive. <laughs> is he in, in danger? But is he know, dying I, in a hotel room of COVID? <laughs> you know, it, it was, it was just a very, it was poorly managed by the Mets. And, you know, yeah. to me, it, it, they, they'd obviously had a bust up and Cespedes had told him, you know, punch on. And, uh, and he, you know, he did one. He packed up his stuff and punched on. They tried to send a message out, I think, alluding to, or trying to, you know, send a direct message to Cespedes, um, shaming him a bit. And it, it kind of backfired a bit. So it wasn't yeah. well handled. Like you on said. On either oh. side. If someone wants to opt out, it's fine. You know, this yeah. is a this is a strange, strange situation. The yes. Marlins have had Isan Diaz has opted out. So I'm not against players opting out, but you know, I think you need to do it in the right way. You know, at the end yes. of the day, the Mets are his employer. And mm. you know, it, that is what it is. That's a fact of life. So um, you know, poorly, poorly handled situation. John, come to you, just let's from a Marlins perspective, mate, we've talked about some of the Mets injuries and some of the, the, the roster woes they've had, but bloody hell, I mean, this, this current Marlins roster with 18 guys on the COVID IL and Isan Diaz opt out, a couple of other guys now on the IL because they've got injured while pitching, um, particularly. I mean, I think there's over 20 on the IL at the moment and obviously Diaz opting out. How have the Marlins continued to stay competitive? It's insane. I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, it's a bit of a mystery, but it, it's so sweet listening to other fan bases saying, oh no, two of our pitchers are hurt. Yeah. You know, there's <laughs> another one out. Um, no, well, the one thing that we have done pretty well in recent weeks is slowly putting right the things that we've got wrong in previous years. We're not walking as many batters. Our pitching staff is pitching with more control. And we're striking out less when we're at bat. We're making the other team make plays against us. Um, we're not just giving them an easy out. We're having more productive at-bats, even if they, they don't actually end up in a hit. We're giving ourselves a chance. So even those last two losses to Atlanta, you know, it looks like a poor offensive performance. But we're in both games. We're giving ourselves a chance to win most nights. We've not really had that sort of really lopsided blowout yet that was uh, a feature of last season when we'd, yeah, we'd score one run maybe, but the game would be over too early because we're giving up too many. Our starting pitchers and our main, in the main have done a pretty good job at keeping guys off base. 
the one night when we didn't keep guys off base was that Toronto game. Um, <laughs> wow. And it was just two run homer after two run homer. Yeah, but a few, few days before, we'd beaten Baltimore and they'd hit four home runs, but they were all solo shots. We won that game. If you keep guys off base, you can win. And uh, the Marlins starters have done a, a pretty good job, surprisingly so in some cases. It's not a surprise when it's Pablo. Um, but, you know, Castano was, was fantastic the other night. And uh, I'm happy to see Mejia, if he's going to be making a start again, um, which is what's expected. He has to be activated from the, from the reserve side. But if he is, I, I thought he showed something in his, his first appearance. And I'm keen to see him again. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I just... Just before we joined, I, uh, I heard from, from Donnie on some of the, the pitching pieces. So I guess this is a, maybe a timely, um, timely element to bring this up. So, yeah, we've got obviously Yamamoto going tonight, which is already confirmed. Um, Humberto, uh, it's, it's not confirmed, but likely is how I describe it from what Donnie said for tomorrow. And Castano will go the final game, which is Thursday for us. So um, Wednesday, still TB. D, uh, gut feel is that may be a full-blown bullpenner um, in all likelihoods. So, um, yeah, we're going to have, yeah, Yams, Humberto, Castano, and a bullpenner. So, Mets, guys, you know, this is, the, this is the Marlins right now that you've now got. You've got Yamamoto that, okay, he pitched in, in the bigs last year, but was, I guess, propelled up from double-A, I think, and you've then got two other starters that are pretty much high A pitchers and then a bullpen in your four, in your four games you're going to see from us. Um, give us a quick run through, Thomas, if you can, of like what we're expecting to see from the Mets. We know who we got. We've got a bullpenner tonight, potentially. And what's happening after that? Um, so I, think, I don't know. We haven't got really many you know, long relief sort of guys, really. So it's, um, uh, I don't know. I mean, the only ones who can go really far is, is Seth Lugo, but he's now our closer. So it's a bit, it seems almost like a, it, it looks every time I watch them, watches at the moment, that it's like per game, really. There's not much in the semblance of a plan. That's why, like, I don't think we would ever do a game like by, like a bullpen game, really. Like, um, I mean, we've got some decent... I think probably the long... The, a guy could do two, two and a half innings would be someone like maybe Justin Wilson. You know, he's pretty solid against yeah. sort of lefties and righties. He's 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 a... I really, really like Justin. I think he's very underrated by by people outside of the Mets. I think he's very accomplished um, and doesn't let you down much. You know, he's not... He's not Mariano Rivera, but then again, you know, he, he's not Jerry's familiar either. So he's... Um, <laughs> Um, wow, that was, you know, so that was a wild contrast of players then. Wow, that was two ends of the spectrum on those two, I think. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, it's, um, yeah, I mean, I think the best we could possibly get, I mean, in Gesellman's last start, they were more going on pitches, I think, but I think they took them out after about two and two-thirds or something like that because it was just, it was like, it was like the other the other day, like with, um, I can't do like Porcello style where it was just like for two innings, it was just relentless and it was just really hard work. Yeah. Um, and it was, that's why I think they brought him out. I think the best thing we could hope for is that someone gets through four or five innings. I mean, five would be great. Really. I mean, I mean, realistically speaking, you know, he's not been a starter 
for a few years now. He's mostly been in the bullpen and done okay, but he's just... I said, if we can get five out of him, I'll be pretty delighted, actually. There you go. I think I think the Braves felt the same yesterday in in our game, where they they had a, a bullpen game going, and they managed to get five out of their guy early, and Robbie Erlin, I think it was. So you know, that's you know, sometimes if you can get that out of these guys, you know, it, it can be a recipe for a for a good win. So Trace, yeah, defense, give us a give us an overview of the offensive side. I mean, pitching sounds patchy at best, so. I I assume there's more hope on the on the offensive side. Um, I've just been looking on the MLB app, and Degrom is now in for Wednesday against Lopez. Wow, Lopez! Yeah, says MLB. Wow, that is. I mean, they they faced each other last time too, didn't they? It was Pablo. I think I might be staying up for that game. I don't. I don't normally say up the night games because I'm old and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'll, I'll need to check that out if, if that is, if that is happening. I mean, but yeah, that's what it says on at bat at the moment. Wow. Okay. Well, could be, could be big breaking news if that's the case. Uh, while we're on, I'll try and, well, there we go. And do some searching. I mean, it'd be, you know, it's a premier matchup for what the Marlins have on the rotation now, for sure. You know, Pablo is our number one right now. No doubt about yeah. that. Um, so, cool. But from the offense side, what what what's the Mets been showing? You know, who's been the standout guys? Who are you leaning on? Um, Jimenez. He's young. He's speedy. He got a stolen base the other day when we were watching. Yeah. Which is something that the Mets are famously bad at is is mm. stealing bases. Um and he he just seems to be sort of young. He, he's like Pete was last year. He's like Pete Alonso from last year. But he also has the defensive side on him as well. He um, is shortstop and he seems to throw himself around a lot and enjoys himself doing it. Good. What about the other day I was watching the Nats game and who was it? Was it JD? No, it might have been Jeff McNeil yeah. went into the wall, hurt his knee. What was the outcome on that? Oh, JD. Day. No, that was Jeff McNeil. Sorry. Yeah. Um, he had an MRI and an X-ray. Both were clear. And they called it um, bone contusion, so like a bruise. Is he going to be playing? Um, he's DHing tonight. Okay, good. I haven't seen yeah. him line up actually. I was too kind of caught up in the Marlins, but so he's DHing. Oh, well, yeah. Um, and and last year he was he was pretty good, not as good as Pete Alonso, but he was holding his own in the lineup. That's for sure. Yeah, he was good. I, rem- I remember him uh, in the games we played. He was, he's just a tough out from memory. He just, you know, on base machine yeah. from memory. So, yeah. So, um, looking at tonight's lineup, uh, Conforto seems to have started well. Um, good player. Yeah. Robbie Cano's got a really high average, but I'm not entirely sure how because he keeps grounding into double plays. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, that sort of sums up how we are really we're getting we're actually lead the league in hits and we're i think we're top of the nl in batting average but with runners in scoring position 
we're we bottom suck. of the league and mm. we drive a sums us up really yeah, yeah. Mm. okay well that's a good summary hits are there hits are plenty double plays are plenty i mean it feels like Too many. the 19 marlins john just just on that one i mean talk about double plays last year starling castro was an absolute artist at that last year it was insane <laughs> insane but it seems like we've got an infield this year that's producing the same. I mean, you go back to the start of the season and Rojas making that spectacular play uh, at second base over in Philly. Um, but even when he's been out, we've seen uh, we've seen quality plays from from Alvarez and Bertie on the infield, and we've just looked, with one or two exceptions, better on the infield than we have on our outfield defense. I mean, yeah. who thought Matt Joyce was going to make the two most spectacular outfield plays for the Marlins this season? He has so far. He has. In the same game, exactly. I mean, I mean, just on that game, John, that, and actually this will come back to the Mets. Uh, just I'll let, let the Mets guys ponder what you guys need to think of or look up now in advance is your catcher. What's his gunning technique like? What's he, how quick is his, is his pings to second and third? Because I'm telling you, there's going to be runners on the base pads, no doubt. But, John, that was one hell of a performance against the Braves in game one where the fielding was clicking, but the, the guys on base, the, the base running was absolutely insane, wasn't it? Yeah, once the guys are on, they, they ran wild. They just didn't get on um, often enough. The only thing that the Marlins have been weak at base running is getting picked off first. We've done that. It seems like we have so many close plays and a few have got got on only to uh, to yeah. lose their chance to steal when the first throw across gets them, uh, gets them tagged out at first. So I'd like to see a slightly more tasteful lead, um, but, you know, putting the runners in motions and, you know, going first to third is something that we've we've done well this season. And it looks as though after messing it around on Sunday, we're back to putting the speedsters together. You know, seven through one, all the speedy guys are together because mm -hmm. Alvarez, Bertie, Sierra, they're not going to hit home runs. They can't drive a guy in from first. So they need the speedy guys on in front of them to steal second, to steal third, so they can get them in with a single. There's no point stealing a base in front of Aguiar because whether you're on first, second, or third, you can walk in after he's homered. So I think we've got the balance go. of the lineup better, um, putting all the speedsters together. Mm. The issue is going to be when our when our hitters come back, when Cooper comes back, when uh, Harold Ramirez uh, comes back, when Rojas comes back, are we just going to sacrifice all the speed out of this team? I really hope we don't. I hope we can find a way to keep it together because mm. that was one of the more exciting Marlins performances on Friday night. Oh, absolutely it was. And uh, I don't know, for the Mets guys, if, 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 you know, I know you don't follow every game very closely, but it was, it was a lot of fun to watch. The Marlins, yeah, the bottom of the order. And you're going to see that order tonight, guys. You know, that's the thing. The Marlins are in a heavy, heavy platoon uh, situation where, uh, where you've got right-handed pitching. You're going to have Mag Sierra in the ninth spot who's just lightning. Birdie's down there. Um, the, the old speed skater Alvarez is down there. You know, those guys <laughs> coming, flipping back to the top of the order where you've got them VR that equally as wheels. So you've got four wheels in a row. Uh, but equal, And then building up to Aguilar in the two-hole, I think. So it's going to be an exciting lineup. I do like that right-handed pitching lineup. Obviously, I think Peterson is going Tuesday. So lefty on. And then brings into, you've had Monte Harrison hitting uh, on that side. 
Yeah, go on, John. I, uh, I'm, I've signed out of the Lewis Brinson fan club. I'm afraid. Whoa, um, whoa. Because whoa. well, he's he's been getting the starts against left-handed pitching, which okay, fair enough. I looked this up earlier. He's a 209 career hitter against lefties. Yeah, there's opportunities for him still to improve. I don't think he'll stay a 209 hitter against lefties for the rest of his career. Magnurish Sierra career against left-handed pitching, 421. Mm. 421 and they're taking him out of the lineup no leave sierra in the lineup brinson can play on the other side of the outfield leave sierra in i think i think you've probably summed up marlin's twitter the past few days and this it's a fickle twitter fan base i can i can testify to that because i'm telling you you should try met's twitter oh well i'm gonna <laughs> I'm going to make some friends in Mets Twitter the next couple of days. I'm going to actively make sure I connect with some new Mets fans and, and, and engage with some. Marlins guys in advance of this season were, everyone was like, Mag Sierra, he's not worth the roster spot. And here we are, you know, 13, 14 games in, Mag Sierra must start for the Marlins. And uh, he's 6-0. and oh, the Mar- Sorry, the Marlins are 6-0 and oh when Mag starts. He's in tonight, guys. So, um, you know, good luck with that one. Um, to clarify my position, <laughs> I'm not a Sierra must start guy. I'm a Sierra must start ahead of Brinson guy. Ah, oh, good. Well, well, well clarified. Um, I know you listen to this podcast as well, John, on a on a regular regular basis. So you know uh, my my affections for for the big man Brinson. So uh, let's let's quickly move off that topic before I hit the <laughs> mute button. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he has power and will abuse it <laughs> I tell you I, I, I haven't had to do it yet so I'm, I'm all good um, right let's get into this series guys um, when I look at the Mets actually the bottom of the NL East um, you know still early season mm. and, and bottom uh, at 9 and 14 having just been swept by the Phillies if I remember correctly yeah. so, yes, yes I'm trying to forget it but yes we won't yeah, on that I didn't long. watch it. It didn't happen. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, you know, 9-14, and 14, heading into a four-game series against the Marlins with what is, in effect, two, two single-A, a bullpen, and a double-A pitchers that you're going to see. 18 guys on the COVID IL. None of them will be back for this series. Thomas, 4-0 and sweep, right, for the Mets? Has to be, Yeah. <laughs> be honest i won't be surprised if you sweep us the way we're going that sounds like a recipe for a mets disaster that does it was um i mean you know if we want to do anything then yeah we've got to look to be doing this but basically the story of our season is just not taking chances i think i looked at it up earlier and it's just we've left 185 people on base this season and you know put that into context this next worst is the tampa bay rays with 154 which and you know juggernaut rays juggernauts yeah yeah, you know it's it just goes to show really i mean it's we're good at getting people on base they just tend to stay there um really it's i mean we've got to look to get three out of four here because we've been so inconsistent and i can you know i when i started following the mets it was like 2012 2013 we were rubbish we had you know we had we had the odd good player we had when david wright when he was fit he was great when you know matt harvey went to the mound every five days it was you know it was when he great. wasn't out clubbing yeah it, wasn't anything. <laughs> you look at that lineup i mean just it's ridiculous really i mean 
you know, you, just going tonight, Nimmo, McNeil, Davis, Conforto, Cano, Alonso, Smith, Ramos, Rosario. Rosario's batting nine. He batted about 290 last year. Yeah. You know, so it's it's ridiculous like what, that we are where we are. Yeah. And it's and it's an all round thing. It's not like, oh, it's just the pitching. You know, it's like it's an all round thing, really. It's we're struggling in every facet at the moment. And uh it's it's just really frustrating to see, really. And if we wanna, you know, do anything, then they really need to get the fingers out and, you know, no offense, but we need to, to start sweeping someone or, you know, at least win three out of four. Yeah. Because when I don't, I'm not even sure we've had a, a you know, a, yeah, alone, like in a series this season. So it's, it's, we just need, I think at some point, we, season, we've got to have a bit of a run, <laughs> you know, you think. But it's, it's just so annoying because we could easily, you know, there might well be someone who gets to the postseason this this season who doesn't, you know, have a winning record. It, you know, it's 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 fairly likely that will happen. So, you know, we might not even need a winning record. We might, you know, we could get twenty eight and thirty two and get in the postseason. Well, I'm telling you, you know, this so league, you know, yeah. you know, when you look at this East, it looks bang average. Like I look across every yeah. team, having you know, I, I include the Marlins in that, and we're bang, we're absolutely bang average. But I mean, we should be absolutely terrible based on what's happened to us roster wise. But we've seen the Braves, we've seen the Phillies, we've seen the Nats. No, we haven't seen the Nats. Sorry, so the Nats we haven't seen. <laughs> but um, the Braves were no, bang yeah. average. The Mets, you know, average didn't play great in my opinion. Um, the Phillies weren't great. You know. Everyone's scuttling in this division, aren't they? You know, that's the thing. Everyone's so inconsistent at the moment. If anyone could piece this together for a few, you know, a week, if you could go six and one in a week, you know, mm. you'd be nailed on to win the division, I think. I mean, um, Thomas then give us, okay, the Mets should win. They need to win. Give me, the, give me your four-game series prediction. I'm determined to be positive. Go on. So I'll say we're going to – and Jake's there, so I think – We'll win with Jake. We're actually starting to score runs when he's on on the man, which is a nice change. Mm. Um, so I'll say three and one. Three and one. We'll win three and one. Good trace. Similar. Mm. I don't think we're going to win tonight. I as much I as yeah. I as much so like Bobby G. I don't think he's a starter anymore. Um, maybe back in twenty. 16 17 when he was a starter yep fine not so much anymore i think he's become too accustomed to being in the bullpen and doing maybe two innings in relief um so doesn't have the depth on him and yeah our bullpen can be a bit inconsistent at times um i think we will win tomorrow with peterson and Degrom. And I don't know who's who's pitching on Thursday, so I don't know. No, yeah, no. hold on. I don't think Rojas knows yet either, to be honest. <laughs> no, but Rojas, I think, given his situation where he was kind of plonked into the job, I think he's done pretty pretty good so far. He's made no glaring el- errors, sort of a la Mickey Calloway submitting the wrong lineup sheet and batting people out of order and things like that. So I, I'm, I'm quietly optimistic about Rojas and his future. 
Yeah, yeah, I like because even like the start the the season when they like the first few games he was making sort of nice end of end of game sort of defensive subs like he's bringing on Jimenez and I kind of like those sort of moves that you know Callaway just never seemed to he was just like Rojas he he looks like a players manager as well because pretty much most of this Mets lineup I think have all have been coached by him at some point yes you know, Alonso um, and McNeil I think certainly have yeah um you know so they know him they trust him and he does come across as everything I've ever heard about him is that the players love him and I do think with the right roster then we could build something, uh, you know, uh, around him. And he, he looks a very calming presence, you know, as much as I love Terry Collins, he was, you know, <laughs> mad as a box, box of frogs he was. You know, he's, he, he loved the old granddad, really. Um, but, yeah. you know, and Mickey was just, you know, the less said about him, the better. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Rojas, as I agree, you know, he's brought into an impossible situation. Um, and, you know, I think he's, as I said, I don't think he's done anything wrong. You know, it, it's... It's um, and I said it's too early to really judge him anyway. But as I said, from what we've seen, there's nothing to to, to, to nothing to be negative about. Um, and he's not been a, he's not been afraid to make moves like put Diaz into the eighth inning. Yeah, not been afraid yeah, to that. speak to Cano and say if you can't pull your finger out, you will be sat on the bench whether you're a veteran or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, it's. Um, which I kind of like, you know. He's, you know, he's 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 got a bit about him, Rojas, and I, I kind of yeah. quite like that, really. And it's and it's certainly suited Diaz going into the into the bullpen. You know, he's had the odd bag end, but I think for the large part, since he's gone to the eighth inning, he's looked pretty good. Um, yeah. Really, I think he, I think he had two on the other day, but I think from what I remember, it wasn't one of them was a scratch hit and one of them was an error. Yeah, you know, so it's um, and maybe that could be, you know, Bedwin's you know, thing from now on, it was because, you know, I mean, stuff-wise, I doubt there's probably a better reliever in baseball, really, when he's on his game. I mean, when he first started last year, it was like something from the heavens, honestly. It was like, I've never yeah. seen anything like it. I mean, it was, uh, but it was, it just, when it went wrong, it went really, really wrong. It was just utterly bizarre how every time it went wrong, it always, you know, ended up being a two-run homer for no apparent reason. Yes. That's not what you want um, from the closer, right? <laughs> no, um, but but um, Seth Lugo's mum follows me on Twitter, and uh, she's loving him being the closer. <laughs> good, good. Well, you know, that's how bullpens evolve. You know, you, you know, you make a decision, you change it round. Next thing is it just clicks. Like that's just a that's just a bullpen for you, in my opinion. Like mm. I think there's a lot of you can overthink them, and I said on the Marlins, you know, we've we had to pick up. We had to pick up eight. We had to replace of the 12 bullpen guys, eight or nine went on the COVID IL. So it was already a brand new bullpen as it was. So yeah. we've gone out, picked up anyone that was DFA'd, any free agent that, that, that had an arm as such. And we, we, we plugged you them in. You can have Strowman if you like. Well, I mean, Sam's too expensive. <laughs> yeah, please do. Please do. Pick <laughs> up for Brian Moran. Moran, yeah, well... No. <laughs> you like sliders a foot out of the zone yeah 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 exactly i mean he, he <laughs> in a tough spot tough spot last night wasn't he moran unfortunately i mean he's his fastball's topping out at 80 i think from memory and he, he loves a 70 he loves a 70 mile now he's a kind of you know one of those sidearm slingers lefty guy one of them and um, sort of a submariner or but yeah or... Kind of, yeah that kind of vibe so he's yeah you know, it's it's just a different look, isn't it? Um, but yeah, yeah. 
you know, he got himself into a bit of a jam yesterday against the Braves, unfortunately. Um, Trace, I don't think I got a, a prediction from you. So I think it's <laughs> towards a split. It all depends who gets the final start, I think. Um, I think we will take the Peterson and the DeGrom games. So I think we'll take those two. I think we're going to lose tonight. But just not knowing who's going to start on the final of the thing, I don't know. Well, Uh, I can can give you some... Well, no, I can give you no confidence. You've got the Italian stallion going for the Marlins on on the last (laughs) game. Dan... Dan Castano, whoever it doesn't matter. Start who you want. It does not matter. That's a matter. Will there be absolute scenes, Pete? There will be absolute scenes in that one, no <laughs> doubt. Just on that, I'm going to this nice segue into John. John, talking about absolute scenes, we go tonight, Yamamoto, the dude, I mean, he'll be thankful he's back in Marlins Park because he's been giving up a lot of fly balls, like fly ball outs and home runs. So what talk me through what you've seen from Yams and how nervous you are for tonight, because these Mets can bang. With Yamamoto, the first couple of starts he made at the major league level were just fantastic. His his breaking pitches were moving all over the place and his first two outings we thought, wow, we've got one here. But that, that was two games of everyone else in the league to look at him. Mm. And he hasn't had many, I don't think he's had enough, enough quality starts since then to justify a spot in the rotation. He didn't look like he was going to make it through spring. He has made it now because of the, the players who are on the IL. But he strikes batters out. It's all about can he miss the barrel? Um, because the pitchers move so far. If, if they're located, down and if they're located away he can have a great night but his slider was being high and the fastball was arrow straight that's that's bad Jordan if we get good Jordan he could have a terrific night tonight I'm confident because I, I don't think that what we've seen through through two starts from him is his true ability there, no. there's more to come from him and I think he'll have learned from those starts I think he will appreciate the extra space in the outfield mm-hmm. um yeah, I'm, I'm confident for tonight. I don't know about Tuesday, and I don't know about Wednesday, Thursday. But one thing I am hopeful for is that the Marlins lineup that's hitting tonight, it'll be a different one on Wednesday, Thursday, when the players who have been on the IL have had now, or by Wednesday, will have had three days in Jupiter. So I'm not sure how long it'll take for, for Miggy and Harold to get their eye in. But we could have reinforcements by the time DeGrom's on the mound and by the time Thursday's game comes around. So if we can just split the first two, I think we'll be in a pretty good place. Um, You know, DeGrom, yeah, he's their ace. Well, Pablo's our ace. I'm not putting that down as as an L just because it's DeGrom. Um, Pablo matched up well against him last time out. So I'm I'm confident that he can do the same thing again. but yeah, it's the current Marlins lineup isn't where it needs to be. But the Marlins lineup that it could be come Thursday, that's a lineup that could win this division because everybody else has shown that they're not going to take it by the scruff of the neck either. Not yet. I think it's, no one's gone come out with scorching, have they? No one has pieced it together yet in the division at no. all. Everyone's scuttling. I mean, it's new for everyone, right? So 
you know, it's all new protocols, no fans, there's so much change going on. It's, uh, can it's I just say, about, talking about change, I hate the runner on second in the ninth. Oh, yeah, we haven't got time for that one, Trace, tonight. But oh, I, Well, I'm just our, stating my opinion. We had I our first it. look at that one. Second <laughs> don't like it either yeah I, I i quite enjoyed it i thought it was a fun way to end the game quickly and it, it was just chaos like yeah, you know but it, it just feels like why bother going through eight and a bit innings worth of work to then have it scuppered in the ninth when they've got the go-ahead runner i uh, just gotta get it done in time you know i mean we had it back to back against the blue jays and uh one one lost one and uh our, our strategy actually was wildly different in both. We're obviously with a with the away team. The first the first game we tried to hit hit our way to, to victory. And uh, yeah. actually we're a little bit unlucky. Forsyth, Logan Forsyth hit a massive bomb that was actually given as a home run and then was given foul um, after when they reviewed it. Uh, but the second game we actually got some you know got some speed going and worked that position, bunted it. You know, and that, that seemed to work a lot better was that, you know, bunt the first guy, get him on the third. Next thing is, you know, you know, it's real pressure. It was real pressure building on, on the, the Blue Jays mm. guys. And, and that worked better, I think. Um, right, guys, I'm conscious of time. We've, um, <laughs> I knew this would go on more than, more than half an hour. So that was, that was a given. Go on, John. Yeah, he, fingers up, you know. Yeah. One thing that's going to be interesting this season season is we should fingers crossed get some competent umpiring <laughs> we've had the same crew for the uh the last four series and it's not been good no. um ball fours that should have been strike threes strike threes that should have been ball fours and a whole load of bang bang plays at bases that probably were wrong but we couldn't overturn them and it just felt like neither team was happy with the umpiring and I just think, well, uh, it might just be a, something that settles our pitching down to know that if they make their pitch, they'll get the call. Yeah, I know you're right. I mean, it, it culminated in Donnie getting tossed, finally. He, just the 14th it had, been building, it had been building for a week and a half, and finally he was tossed. <laughs> so, you know, good on him. Trace, uh, yeah. Final from you. You had your finger up, so far away. Yes, we've we've had similar with umpires. Um, Rojas, who seems pretty unshakable, got in the umpire's face a little bit the other night, and uh, Was he wasn't happy with. No, he wasn't. Um, but wasn't happy with a lot of the calls. Um, the strike zone seemed to be really weird, like. Um, you know, we were saying about the strike zone on the Sunday game that we were watching, Pete. Yeah. And we said that seemed really weird. Mm-hmm. It, it it seemed similar. And I don't know if it's just the way that the umps are calling the game now, but it just seemed like off-centre. Yeah. Yeah, something's been up. It, it looks a bit weird. Like, I, I don't know. We spoke about it on in-play runs um, live and it, it hasn't been right. I think just generally, yeah, as, as John mentioned then, that the Marlins, we've had the same crew for the for three series in a row. And um, we weren't happy with them against in the Mets series and continue to be unhappy with them through the Blue Jays and, and the Braves series. And yeah, like it culminated in Donnie finally losing his mind on that one. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, uh, John, sorry, I didn't, I didn't get your prediction. What's the, what, what was your prediction for this one? Felt like you were going all in. Felt like you had the sweep in mind. No, um, I, th- I think we'll split the first two. 
if reinforcements arrive, mm -hmm. then we'll win the series 3-1. If reinforcements don't arrive, we'll split the last two for a 2-2 series. Sounds fair. Um, I'm going to just give my pennies worth as such. On. Um, the one guy you've mentioned, you guys have mentioned him, Peterson, your, your left, the lefty guy, we saw him uh, in the first series, and I know he's pitched, mm. he's pitched well. His numbers look like he's pitched well. I think he's maybe 3-0, yeah. you know, 3 RA or something. I, I think the Marlins are going to blow him up in that second game. I watched, you know, when you, you watch someone, and I could see the Marlins fancied him. They were desperate to get after him. And sometimes that's a bad thing, but I have a sense yeah. that they're going to get after him, and they're going to blow him up in that second game. Um, yeah. I think we're going to win tonight. So I think we're going to be two up. Like John said, let's see who's going to be in our lineup back end of the week. But, you know, if DeGrom goes game three, let's just give that one to DeGrom, call it. <laughs> and then, you know, Dan Castano's on the mound. Let's see who you guys have got. I don't think you guys know. No. I mean, for the Marlins, if we come out of this 2-2, we will be delighted. Because at the moment, we're playing, if we can play 500, well, better than 500 ball, with 20 guys on the IL, that is yeah. a big, big win for us. And you know what will happen. The guys will roll back into town. Next thing is Sandy's in the house, Miggy Rose in the house. That, that, that <laughs> clubhouse is just going to elevate, and those boys are going to be after it, and they're going to be getting after it. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I think yeah. we're out of time. So, John Fernley, thank you, my man, for your Fish Across the Pond debut. It was great to have you on. Um, Thomas Frost... Tracy Wilkes, the Mets guys, absolutely awesome to talk baseball, guys. I, I, I sensed that we could have gone on for hours on this one, and I sensed oh, yeah. that you guys wanted to talk more Mets. But, <laughs> you know, it was, was a lot of fun. So I hope you enjoyed it, guys. Yes. Um, it was great yeah. to have you on. Yeah, loved it. Thanks for having me, Pete. Yeah, yeah sure. back on any time, Pete. Excellent. Well, we're seeing you again next week, thinking about it. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how this series goes. And then, uh, you know, I'll make a judgment call. <laughs> Good. Well, that is episode 57 in the books. And we will be back uh, before the Nat series with, uh, with another podcast with the, with the regular goats and maybe uh, Rob from, from Nat's UK. We'll see how that one goes. <laughs> Until then, enjoy the series. We'll speak soon. Bye.